Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. Over the past several weeks, we've been talking from the parables, amen, and we've been looking at all the different parables that, that, the, that the Word of God has given us, and, and tonight we're going to start a brand new parable. Uh, how many of you have ever read the parable of the net? How many of you can, maybe, maybe you remember it, maybe you don't, it's okay, we're going to talk about it tonight, amen, and it's really important because something that the parables show us, are, uh, I believe, are kingdom revelations. There's so much truth that, that Jesus, uh, when he shared these parables, he, he spoke them in such a way that would cause us to wonder and it would cause us to to think and it would cause us to understand realms of heaven and, and understand the kingdom of heaven better. Amen. Now, how many of you know that we need to understand the kingdom in, in, in order to understand the king? Amen. I'll say that one more time. We need to understand the kingdom in order to understand the king. And we need to know the king in, in order to know his kingdom and how it functions. Amen. And it's really important for us to, 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 to know the word church. And, and I believe the Lord is actually taking us through a season of equipping. So something I was just praying about, and, and, and the Lord kind of dropped this in my heart, was that I believe the Lord has us in a season of equipping. Why is this important? Because how many of you know that we are equipped for a purpose? Amen? We are empowered for, the pur- for a purpose. The Holy Spirit wasn't sent to the earth so that you and I could just chill and be relaxed and be comfortable to sit in the pew of a church. Amen? Wow, that was a weak Amen? I'll give, this, I'll give this chance aside. I said, the Holy Spirit was not given to us as a gift from heaven to empower our lives to just live inside the church. Amen. That was better, amen? Why? Because the Holy Spirit was designed and the Holy Spirit was given. It's the resurrection power of Christ that lives inside of us, amen? The Holy Spirit is given to us and enables us to be witnesses in all of the earth. And so the Holy Spirit, when he comes upon a person, he empowers us to do the work that is set before us. What is the work? To be a witness. Amen? It's to be a witness of God's goodness and God's glory. It's to tell of whom he is and what he has done for your life. How many of you have been saved by Jesus? Amen? Yeah, yeah. Bring some excitement to that. Amen? You've been saved by Jesus. Listen, if, if, if you were saved yesterday, I guarantee you'd be running up and down these altars and running down the aisles saying, He saved me! He saved me! Because there would be an elation and a joy and just a, a, a happiness in your heart. My, my girls, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm coaching my daughter's soccer team, right? I told you that a couple weeks ago. And they had one win and two losses, all right? All right yeah, yeah, we need some prayer for the team, Okay. We need some prayer for the team, but it's such an awesome thing. Those of you who are soccer fans, anybody a soccer fan in here? Anybody watch a little soccer? So those of you that are soccer fans, you know that like you can go an entire 90 minutes. A soccer game is 90 minutes. Two 45-minute halves, okay? That's a, a regular professional soccer game. Two 45-minute halves and sometimes even extra time, right? Four, five, six, seven minutes of extra time, right? And guess what? You can go almost 90 minutes until somebody scores a goal. It's a long time, right? It's a long time. But guess what? When they score a goal, one team just goes like erupts, you know, because, you know, the goal, right? 
The whole goal was to get the goal. Amen? And I think the Lord is wanting us to have the same excitement when somebody steps into the kingdom of heaven. Amen? The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when one sinner comes to repentance. Amen? And there's something that should bring joy to our hearts and joy to our lives when you see somebody step into that place where they have received Christ as their Savior. There is no greater thing, I believe, that we could witness on this earth when somebody steps into that saving grace of Jesus. Amen? It's a powerful thing. It is a powerful thing. And the Lord is equipping us in this season and in this time to be soul winners. Amen? The Bible says in Proverbs, He who wins souls is wise. He who wins souls is wise. And the Lord is equipping us now, church, to do this work. Amen? And so the Holy Spirit, I I love in the book of Acts, it talks about how, you know, the spirit of the resurrected Christ comes to destroy the works of Satan. Satan is working in the earth. Satan is doing everything in his power, everything in his schemes and in his wickedness to bring a disillusion to people. We see people all around us that are completely confused and completely delusional. Amen? This is really obvious when you see grown men that say they are a woman. And when you see women that say they are a man. I'm sorry, but there is no such thing. I heard it said this way. You will stand before your creator as you were created. It doesn't matter how you think you are. It doesn't matter what you perceive you are. It doesn't matter what your feelings say. It doesn't even matter what drugs you take to change your gender. You will stand before the living God as he created you. And you will have to give account for your life. But the enemy's been fast at work in the world, church, in the earth, trying to bring disillusion and trying to bring confusion all around us. And the Holy Spirit, guys, is not just inside of our hearts just to take up residence. And he doesn't just kick up his feet and and grab a lazy boy inside of your heart and do nothing. He is a spirit of the resurrected Christ. That means he takes what is dead and he raises it back to life. And if the Holy Spirit is living inside of us, there should be an urgency in our heart to do the work of the kingdom. Amen. Let me read you a story. I want to read you a story. Anybody ready for a story? Yeah. Yay. Have all the kids sit in a rug right here in front, like story time in, in kindergarten. Let me read you this story. There was a group called the Fisherman's Fellowship. And they were surrounded by streams and lakes full of hungry fish. And they met regularly to discuss the call to fish and the thrill of catching fish. And they would get excited about fishing. How many fishermen are here? Is there anybody that likes to fish? Amen? Fishing's fun. So somebody suggested that they needed a philosophy of fishing. And so they carefully defined and redefined what fishing was and the purpose of fishing. They developed fishing strategies and tactics. Then they realized that they had been going at it backwards. So they had approached Fishing from uh, the point of view of the fishermen, right? So now they change their tactic. They change their mindset. So how do fish view the world? This is the question that they began to ask themselves. How do fish view the world? How does the fisherman appear to the fish? What do fish eat and when do they eat it? 
These are all good things to know, they said. So they began to research studies. They began to attend conferences on fishing. Some traveled to faraway places to study different kinds of fish with different habits. Some got PhDs in fishology. But yet no one had gone fishing. So a committee was formed to send out fishermen. And as prospective fishing places outnumbered fishermen, the committee needed to determine their priorities. So a priority list of fishing places was posted on a bulletin board in all of the fellowship halls, but still no one was fishing. A survey was launched to find out why. Most did not want to answer the survey, but from those that did, it was discovered that some felt called to study fish, and a few to furnish fishing equipment, and several to go around encouraging the fishermen. Now with meetings and conferences and seminars, they just simply didn't have time to fish. Now Jake was a newcomer to the Fisherman's Fellowship. And after one meeting of the fellowship, Jake went fishing. He tried a few things, he got the hang of it, and he caught a really, really nice fish. And at the next meeting, he told his story, and he was honored for his catch. And then he was scheduled to speak at all of the speaking invitations and at the fellowship chapters to tell how he caught this fish. He was then elected to the board of directors of the Fisherman's Fellowship. So Jake now no longer has time to go fishing. But soon he begins to feel restless and empty and he longed to feel the tug on the line once again. So he cut the speaking. He resigned from the board. And he said to a friend, let's go fishing. They did, just the two of them, and they caught fish. The members of the Fisherman's Fellowship were many. The fish were plentiful, but the fishers were few. I want us to open our Bibles to Matthew 13 and 47. You can just kind of bookmark that and open your Bible there. Matthew 13, verse 47. When you get there, just say amen. Amen, amen. Should be on the screen. Let's read this. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. And then they sat down and they collected the good fish in baskets, but they threw the bad away. Verse 49, this is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray for tonight's word. Lord, we just thank you for your word. And Lord, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit in this place. And I ask Holy Spirit that you would just speak to each and every heart and each and every listening ear tonight, Lord. And God, it's my prayer, Lord, that as, as we open your word, that you would just speak, Lord, uh, in a powerful way to us tonight. And Lord, we just receive the words from heaven, Lord, over us, Jesus. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would just use me as an instrument of God, Lord, for your kingdom and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Christ and his true followers, Christ and those who would be disciples of him, they must cast the net of the gospel into the world. Into the world. Amen? Christ and the followers of Christ, they must cast the net of the gospel into the world. That is, we are to work and to work hard to fish for men. Amen? 
There is a responsibility from those who have come to Christ. Jesus himself said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That is, the Lord God will teach us what is necessary and how to fish for souls. Those of us that are here, I believe that, that many of us are saved. If, if you're saved, just raise your hand just for, 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 for a second. Praise the Lord. So those of us that are here that are saved, you've already been caught by the net. Amen? You've already been caught by the net, and now you actually are carrying your own net of the gospel as a witness and as a, and as a person that knows Jesus, and now you are called and commissioned to lay down your net. To release your net, right? And so there's something that the Lord is wanting us to see and understand. We have to understand a few things. What happens when the net is cast into the sea? What happens if you were to actually physically get a net and, and get on a boat and go to the middle of the ocean and just throw your net in there? What's your, what's your net going to catch? Your net's going to catch anything that, 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 that floats by, right? Your net's going to catch big fish, potentially, your net's going to catch small fish, potentially. Your, your net could catch dangerous fish, ugly fish, I don't know, you know, all, like, tasty fish, you know. I'll tell you a story about somebody that, that I know, I will not reveal their name. But they said something really funny one time. We were eating uh, fresh fish. How many of you have ever eaten fresh fish from the Gulf, right? Like, like you know, bass or, you know, trout or something like that, redfish. They're very common, Right? And we're eating this fish, and, and, and this particular individual said that this, they were like, you know what, I, I really like that particular fish that you catch because I like the way that it tastes. It's really, like, spicy. And so then they went out, and then they, they caught some more fish. You know, this particular individual went out and caught some more fish, and they asked, the, they asked them, they're like, is that the spicy fish that you, that you caught? Now, some of you aren't getting it. This individual was actually thinking that the fish itself was spicy and not that the spices were spicy. <laughs> yeah, now, now we're getting it, right? You know how you like dip it in the batter and then you, you know, season it up and you put some, you know, all that good stuff on there. And they were like, I really like that type of fish that you caught because that one's got some good flavor to it, you know. When you let down your net... When you release the gospel, when you share the gospel, the gospel is meant to speak to whom? Everybody. So when you release the net of the gospel, the net of the gospel is intended and it is designed in an unbiased way to reach anybody and everybody. The gospel is not biased. Did you know that? I'll say it one more time. The gospel is not biased. What does that mean? That means that any time anytime you let down your net, the net is unbiased to nationality, to age, to gender. The net will catch all who enter it, and the net will receive all. Jesus, when he, when he came to this world, he did not die for one race. Amen? He did not die for one gender. Amen? He didn't die just for one nation. Jesus gave his life for all mankind. Amen. All who were created. And so there's something that's important for us to, to grasp tonight. That is the gospel is not just for a particular group of people. The gospel is for all. 
And when we go about in our life in, in, in this world and we go out sowing the seeds of the gospel, we need to actually go out with the exact same, you know, uh, understanding of how it was designed to work. That is, we release the gospel to all men. Doesn't matter what they look like. Amen. Doesn't matter how they talk like. It doesn't matter. We have this misconception, I believe, at times in the church, and that is this, is we want people to clean up before they come to Jesus. And it doesn't work that way. You want people to stop doing drugs. You want people to stop going to the parties and the clubs. And you want people to stop living a certain way and a certain lifestyle before they come to Jesus. People do this in the church all the time. They see somebody walk, walk in the church that could be covered in tattoos and could look a certain way. And maybe they even smell like smoke from the club last night. And then they judge them. And guess what? We are placing a pretense upon their life that Jesus himself would not do. When you come to Christ, it's after you've known Christ and you've met Christ and you've encountered Christ that you are now washed clean. Amen. He's the one that purifies us and he's the one that transforms us. Amen. But as we come to him, as, as that fish enters into the net, the fish is not like, oh, hey, let me, uh, let me clean my life up first before I go into the net. No, 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 my friend. The opposite is, is at hand. The blood of Jesus washes over us and makes us clean. Amen? The blood of Jesus washes over us. So it's important for us to understand that the net is designed to receive all. Matthew 22 and 10. So the servants went out into the streets and they gathered all the people that they could find. Who? Who? All the people. Not some people. Not just a few people. All the people that they could find, the bad as well as the good. And I love that it states that. Because again, sometimes we think, oh, well, this person's a good person. Maybe they'll come to Jesus. This person's a good person. Maybe they'll be ready to receive Christ. It says the bad as well as the good. And it says, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. So when the gospel is preached, amen, where the gospel is taught and Christ is shared, it's never supposed to be in a biased way. For example, if any one of us was dying and we were taken to a hospital, they cannot turn you away based on what it is that is afflicting your life. Amen? It's like if you fell off a ladder and, you know, you, you cracked your head open or something like that. You know, a pastor was talking about Humpty Dumpty the other day. And you fell and you cracked your head open. The hospital cannot reject you if you don't have money. The hospital cannot reject you if, if, you know, you're from this country, you're not from this country. The hospital has to receive you. Amen? Because why? They are designed to do one thing, and that is help and render aid. And the gospel works the same way. The gospel will receive anyone that comes to it. They cannot turn you away from a hospital based on your income, your insurance, your age, or even the reason that you're sick. And likewise, the church should never turn anybody, anybody away from coming to Christ based on their condition when the love of Christ is unconditional. Amen. Amen? And so Christ's love is given to you without condition. Amen? How many of you love Jesus? Amen? You, you, you're thankful for the Lord. Amen? And you love him. How many of you are, are saved? We're, we're saved. And that's a great thing. Amen? But this is what needs to be done from those that love Jesus and those that are saved. We need to be net casters. Amen. We need to be people that are net casters and not somebody else. Because you and I, we are a part of the net when we're caught. But afterwards, the Lord expects us to move into that place of becoming net casters to reach every single 
person. Amen? I have to encourage you with this, with this thought. It's the same as my daughter's soccer game. Sometimes there's a lot of goals and sometimes there's no goals. And sometimes when the net is cast, there will maybe one, maybe none. Maybe many, maybe some. That was a nice little rhyme. <laughs> I just caught myself. <laughs> but it made sense. Why? Because people have the will and have the power to decide whether or not they're going to receive Jesus. But you and I are still called to do one thing, and that is to share the gospel. It's not up to us to bring the results. It's not up to us to, to, to you know, somehow think that we ourselves have failed if somebody rejects Jesus. I think one of the biggest things that the enemy works to do inside the church is this, is cause us to get discouraged when somebody doesn't come to Jesus and you stepped out on that ledge to share Jesus with them. And the enemy wants to cause us to, to get discouraged in such a way in thinking that we somehow had to do something with it. When the truth is, is they did not reject you, they rejected Christ himself. Amen? And we can't actually allow our heart to kind of get moved in that sense where we get in the way and thinking, you know what? Oh, man, you know, they didn't come to Jesus and therefore I'm not going to do this anymore. I can't share Jesus with anybody because I guess I'm not good at it. You know, I'm not qualified enough to do this thing. And listen, that's not what the scripture teaches us. The scripture teaches us very clearly. He said, and when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses. When you said yes to Jesus, your heart became an inhabitant place for the Holy Spirit. And that means that because your heart is now, you know, a, a residence of the Holy Spirit, that means that you still have the obligation to do the work of the Spirit, to go out and fulfill the, the purpose and the plan of what the Spirit is asking you to do. I don't know about you, but if if if. If, for those of you that work, you know, raise your hand if you've got a job, or right? Praise God. You have a job. And if every day you walked into work and your boss had given you a task and had, had assigned something to you to say, listen, this is what I need you to do today. And you just sat at your desk and you, and you looked them in the eye and you just flat out ignored them. And you went about your business. How many of you would still have a job? your career would, would have been cut really short. And I have to say this with that same kind of understanding. We sometimes think that we can say no over and over and over to the Holy Spirit. And then yet we still are begging God for things to change in our life when we ourselves will not obey what he has first asked us to do. We need to be a people that live in obedience to the Holy Spirit because the Lord is telling us all the time. Today I went to pick up some food and, and, and I was with DJ. We went, to, we went to get some food and we went to Popeye's and Popeye's is, uh, Popeye's is giving Chick-fil-A a run for their money. I don't know about you, but, you know, that chicken sandwich is like that. Delicious. So you know what I ate for lunch today. So I go to Popeye's, and this lady that's on the radio, you know, taking my, taking my order just blessed me. And I was just listening to her voice, and I was like, man, like, you know, this lady's awesome. Like, I don't know her. 
I, I don't know her story. I don't know nothing about her life. But I get to the window, and I see her, and she's got this, like, fantastic smile. Like, she's just looking, and she's kind of, like, bubbly, and she's happy. And I was about to leave, and I just heard the Lord tell me to just stop and just bless her and tell her that she blessed me. And I stopped, and I was like, you know what, let me not leave. And I, I kind of waved at her again, and, and she opened the window. She's like, oh, yes, sir. And I said, hey, I just wanted you to know that, like, you're awesome at what you do. And you just blessed my life today. Just, just the way that you spoke, I said, it, it made a huge difference. And, and I just pray that the Lord would bless you. And, like, <laughs> you should have seen her face. Like, she's kind of, like, shocked. Like, I didn't expect that to happen. You know, she's passing out chicken sandwiches, you know. But when the Holy Spirit tells you to say something, say it. When the Holy Spirit is asking you to do something, do it. Amen? And here's the deal. A lot of times the Lord is not going to operate in our life past the place that he has already told you to do. Meaning we, we are asking the Lord for something over here. We're saying, Lord, I want this for my future. God, I want you to take care of this in my life. And the Lord is first saying, the first instruction that I gave you was that you would be my witness. Why are you not witnessing? Oh, but Lord, I need a new car. Have you opened your mouth about me? Oh, but Lord, I need you to fix my marriage. Have you uttered a word of my saving grace and my goodness and my power in your life to somebody? There's a difference between him saving you and him being Lord. Him saving you is you receiving what has been done by him over your life. Him being Lord of your life is you being obedient to what he is saying. Big difference. Big difference. Amen? 1 Corinthians 3, though, says this. Paul is speaking. He says, I planted the seed and Apollos watered it. He says, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants, or I'll just throw this in there, neither the person that lets their net down or the person that's catch, catching fish, neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. Amen? Only God who makes things grow. It says the man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose and each will be re rewarded according to their own labor. Listen, if we're not laboring, there's no reward. What a sad day that would be for people to think that all of a sudden they're going to have this like massive inheritance and they did nothing. Isaiah 55 and 11 teaches us that the truth of the gospel is effective and the net of heaven will be filled. Isaiah 55, 11 says, says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I've sent it. And so I want us to write this thing down. Just, just write down the, the words, cast your net. Within the net is, 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 is the story of the gospel. Amen? And it's our testimony of what Jesus has done for us. Amen? And those two things, the, those two things should, should, should you know, you never be separated in that sense. Because now that you've come to Christ, you have a testimony. Amen? Now that you've come to Jesus, you have a testimony of what the Lord has done in your life. Amen. A few years ago, I, I, I went to Portland and I was actually talking about Portland earlier with with uh, uh, with Ociel and, and we were just sharing this story. But a few years ago, I went to Portland, Oregon to visit my uh, brother who lives over there. And 
When I was in Portland, I saw something that was rather funny to me. It was, it was kind of interesting. There was these two guys, and they were fishing at this um, beach area called Cape Mears, and, and they were out there, you know, uh, up against the tide, up against, you know, the ocean and the beach, and, and they planted themselves near the shore, right? So, like, they're here, and the water's edge is, like, right there. And so they're standing there, and they're, and they're at the water's edge, and, and, and they're, you know, close to, the, close to the water. But what happened next was, was kind of the funny part. It was very interesting. The sea began to recede. You know how, like, the tide goes in, and, and it comes out, and right, and it's just, it's always kind of moving. Well, the tide began to, to go down, and it began to go back to a low tide. But guess what? They stayed exactly where they were. So just picture this with me. First, the water was here, and they were casting their fishing poles into the water. Over the next 30, 40 minutes, the water was like 30, 40 feet away. But they stayed exactly where they were. Now, I don't know about you, but for those of us that understand a little bit about fishing, they just made it way more difficult. Because now they got to work twice as hard to to get that line in the water, right? They have to cast that line twice as far, and, and common sense should tell you that you should just walk closer to the water. Sometimes we stay bottled up inside of the church when the world is going another direction, and we think that we can cast the gospel from just inside the church and reach the world. When Jesus proved to us time and time again that we were to go into the world, Amen? That we were to go into the world. That means that we were to go into the places where people were. Jesus was often found in the marketplace. Amen? There was times where he'd be found, uh, you know, in the temple. There was times where he'd be found, you know, just in the cities and the highways and the byways. And he was always out and about where people were. And I need to just give you a quick fishing strategy tonight. Then help us understand something. Listen, if you think that, you know, we can just sit inside of the church and get the work done, it's not going to be done that way. And the church will absolutely fail the mission that God has given us. It's until we go outside of the church where the fish are that we will actually have a little bit more success in bringing a harvest back to God. Amen? The further you are from the fish, the less your chances will be. And I want us to understand something. A Christian whose line is not in the water. And I'll just use that as the fishing pole illustration. A Christian whose line isn't in the water, whose net is still dry, or whose lips are sealed from sharing the gospel is not fulfilling God's plan. A Christian who isn't part of launching the net is just a shipmate and they're going along for the ride. They're just going along for the ride. A Christian who is complacent makes the nets of others heavier. Think about that. How people tell me all the time and, and uh, that, you know, well, you know, isn't it the pastor's job? You know, how come the church ain't full? The pastor needs to work harder. <laughs> we were reading the scripture today, Gloria and I, I think it was Second uh, Timothy 4.2. Am I correct? She was memorizing a bunch of verses today. <laughs> 2 Timothy 4.2. Let me just open it up. Maybe I'm wrong. Or you know what? Let me have the guys put on the screen. Oh, there it is. 
All right, keep going, verse 3. And verse 4. Five. We'll just read the whole Bible until we get there. There it is. So this charge was given to Timothy, but I want us to just highlight one thing. He says, keep your head in all situations, Timothy. Paul speaking to him, his, his disciple, his apprentice. Endure hardship. Do the work of an, an evangelist and discharge all the duties of your ministry. Let me stop right here where it says, do the work of an evangelist. Did you know that Timothy was a pastor? But he was asked by Paul to do the work of an evangelist. And it doesn't matter what your calling is, because every single one of us is to do the work of an evangelist. I'm going to say it again for the people in the back. It does not matter what your calling is. Each and every one of our responsibilities is to do the work of an evangelist. What does an evangelist do? They evangelize the world with the gospel. Amen? They go everywhere telling people about Jesus. Now, we're so privy and we're so used to seeing people that do that really good. The Billy Grahams of the world. How many of you know who Billy Graham is? Billy Graham was, was one of the most awesome men of God of our generation. Such a powerful man of God. A, a man that the Lord used in such a powerful, powerful way. Another man who was a world-renowned evangelist, Reinhard Bonnke. An, an amazing, amazing evangelist. These guys ministered to millions of souls. But guess what? That was their lot. God would use them and appoint them to, to, to minister to millions. But listen, God will still use you to minister to one. And it doesn't matter if, if, if you think, you know, oh, well, I'm not doing millions like Billy Graham. If you're just, you know, ministering to one person or one soul at a time, that it's not worth it. No, it's 100% worth it. Amen? Because every single drop, every single soul matters to the Lord. Amen? And it doesn't matter if God uses you to reach masses or if God reaches you to just re, you know, reach a few. The Lord is still commissioning each and every one of us to do the work of, of, of an evangelist. If you read Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, we see what is called the Great Commission. The Great Commission, church, is for all believers. Amen? All believers. So it's not just the work of the pastor, amen? It's not just the work of, of the Sunday school teacher. It's not just the work of the women's leader. It's not just the work of an usher or, or something like that. It is the work of a believer, amen? How many of you believe in Jesus? Amen. Then it is our work. So the truth is, is the net must be cast and the boat must be launched. And the fishermen need to stop talking about their fishing spots and, mu and must stop discussing their strategy and actually go. Amen? Actually go. Like, like get out. Get out. Get out into the world and actually do the work. Jesus perfectly illustrates the fact that, fact that when he sends us our nets and our nets are ready that we will reap a harvest. John chapter 21. Let's read this. Verse 3. I love this story. He says, I'm going out to fish. Simon Peter tells them and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and they got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Amen. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Now, I want us to understand where we are in Scripture. Jesus had already been crucified, 
Amen? And now this is after the crucifixion. So Jesus has appeared now to people for, for uh, several days. And so Jesus had been crucified. He is now resurrected. So he calls out to them and he says this, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. And he said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. What's the lesson here? Let's learn a few things. It's probably a great idea to drop your net where Christ tells you to. Amen. Amen right? It's probably a good idea to, to throw it on the right side of the boat. Let me tell you something. I need us to understand something very clearly. If we do not understand a clear picture of what the gospel is, then we are throwing our net on the wrong side. You will throw your net on the wrong side and you will never see a harvest. That is, you won't see anybody actually transform and come to Jesus if you are preaching any other gospel than Christ and Christ crucified. Because a lot of times people will just go out and they'll say, oh yeah, we'll come to Jesus because he's awesome. Is that the gospel? No, that's not the gospel. Jesus is awesome and I love Jesus, amen, but that's not the gospel. The gospel is that he lived that he walked, amen, that he died, that he gave his life, and that he was resurrected for our sins. He was the only one that was able to make payment and atonement for our sins, amen? And unless somebody comes to that understanding and knowledge that they too are a sinner and that they are in need of the salvation that Christ has, has died and the gift that he has given them, then they will have a complete misunderstanding. So when they come to, to, to Christ or, or per se, when the net is thrown on the wrong side, they'll catch nothing. There's a lot of people that fill churches, but they have little understanding of who God is. There's a lot of people that come into church and they come into what they think is a relationship with God, but it's actually just a church membership and it's actually just a religious thing and a religious cycle that goes on and on and on. And they think somehow, you know, that, you know, they know Jesus, but yet their life is still in bondage. They think that they know Jesus and yet their life and their kids are still unsaved and they don't actually see the fruit of the spirit in their life because guess what? They did not sign up to receive Jesus as savior and Lord of their life. They actually signed up and just gave their life to a church and when they give their life to a church there's so much damage that's done how many of you have met somebody that's been hurt by the church raise your hand every single one of us have there's so many people in the earth right now that have been damaged by a false gospel because they have come to think that the church was sent to save them and they have had the wrongest idea of what the gospel is and they think that the church is there to just serve them and cater to them and give them the coffee and if the temperature is too hot they make it a little colder if it's too cold they make it a little warmer if the song's too loud they make it a little quieter and they think that the church was designed to cater to them when, guess what? When you come to Jesus, it's all about serving him. It's not about serving and getting served ourselves. So guess what? They get really hurt when all of a sudden, wake up, newsflash, you're supposed to die to yourself. And they hear a preacher come and actually preach the true gospel that says, guess what? You need to crucify your flesh. Oh, what are you going to? Why am I supposed to crucify my flesh, Pastor? I want to live how I want to live. No, 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 my friend. He is not Lord of your life if you're living how you want to live. He is not Lord over your life if you're living in a way and in a manner that does not please him. He is Lord over your life if you do what he commands, amen? If you live from the Spirit and you follow the Holy Spirit. So like I said, it's a good idea to cast your net where he tells you to. 
There is only one way to heaven, church. Everybody know that? Only one. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. He said, I am the gate, I am the door. There's only one way to heaven, and it's only through Jesus. Amen? The Holy Spirit, though, is he is our guide. He's the one who's speaking to your heart. He's the one that tells you to pray for somebody. Amen? The Holy Spirit is the one that, that tells you to show the love of Christ to somebody. The Holy Spirit is the one who tells you to share Jesus with someone. And guess what? If the Holy Spirit is telling you to do that, it's probably because he knows best. <laughs> Amen? It's probably because he knows best. And so moments after the disciples, they haul in this great amount of fish. John 21, 7, this happens. It says, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. It is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water. This response from Peter was exactly what should have been. And I want us to see something here. Peter clothed himself and he jumped into the lake and he swam to shore. Why? Why does Peter do this? Why does Peter like lose himself when he hears the voice of Jesus and he all of a sudden is in a boat in the middle of the ocean, but he literally puts his clothes on, he dives in the water and he begins to swim towards Jesus who's on the shore because the last time that Jesus and Peter spoke, Peter denied Christ three times. The very last encounter that they had, Peter is denying Jesus to his face and he denies him. And guess what? Jesus would later be crucified, but now he is risen from the dead. And I want us to see this. Could it be, church, could it be for Peter that after his greatest failure, that Jesus would still show his miracle working power in his life? Could it be, church? Yes. Why is that? I'm glad you asked. Romans 11 and 29. Romans 11 and 29. For God's gift and his call are irrevocable. His gift and his call are irrevocable. And I need to just, I'm going to stop here tonight at this point. I need to stop right there for this reason. Because there's people that are in this room right now and you are not fulfilling the work that God has asked you to do because there's a shame that's been over your life because of sin and condemnation. There's something that has been hanging on to your life for days, for weeks, for years, and you think that somehow you're unworthy and you're unable and, and, and you're, you can never be used by God for, for his purposes. You can never step into that place of being used by the Lord for his kingdom because you're too filthy. The things that you've done are too wrong. And people tell you all the time, they remind you over and over that your life is nothing but sin. And, and the reason that you're living in the way that you're living is because all the mistakes that you've made, they're hanging over your life listen to me friend understand this about Jesus when Jesus calls you and Jesus sets you free and you come back to that place when you know him and you recognize him and you hear his voice he reinstates your life back to the place where you left him you lose nothing 
I want us to understand this. You lose nothing. That is when you come back to Jesus after having sinned and falling short and falling away and denying Jesus just like Peter did. He will bring you right back into the fold the moment that you look to him. Do you remember that powerful story of the prodigal son? The prodigal son went out and he squandered the father's blessing. He took all the inheritance that his father had given him. And what does he do? He goes out and he, live, he spends it on wild living. He spends it on just doing things that are, that are wrong, that are wicked. He goes and he, he throws his life away. And as he's throwing his life away, he comes back to the realization that he has just ruined his life. And from that place, he realizes, like, what have I done? I had a father that gave me everything. I had a father that released his inheritance into my hand, and yet I've gone and I've just blown it all. And his prayer was, I just wish that I could be like one of those servants, like one of those workers, so that I could just be kind of close back to the Lord. And I believe the Lord is speaking to somebody tonight. Because maybe in your recklessness, in your wildness, even in your past life, the enemy is still saying over you that you're unqualified, you're unable, and you're unworthy to be used by him. And I need to remind you tonight, if Jesus was willing to give his life for you and for me, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That we need to know something about how the Lord thinks about us. He's the one that calls us worthy. He's the one that calls us worthy. He's the one that says over your, over your life, you are a holy nation. You are a royal priesthood. And there's something that the Lord is wanting to remind you of tonight. And that is this. Is that the Lord is looking for people that will not stay hung up on their shame. And I have to tell you this because I battle with this so much. Can I be transparent before you tonight? You're looking at a guy that, 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 that fights with himself every single day in his own heart and in his mind to think that somehow this God would ever want to have anything to do with me. After I consistently and, 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 and constantly fail him after the times, many times that I've heard the Holy Spirit, you know, tell me to do something and I failed to do it and, and, and just all of the failure. I think of the, my past and the things that, in the way that I lived and, and, the, and the things that I've said and done and even the things that I've said and done after I've come to know Jesus. And, and, and the enemy constantly haunts me with these, with these words to think that, you know what, you will never be able to do anything for God. And then I read Romans eleven twenty nine 29 over my life. God's gifts and his call are irrevocable as he will not take it back 
And it doesn't matter because I believe there's somebody in here that feels like you squandered a number of years in your life. That there was a number of years in your life that, you know, you said, you know, Lord, I can't get that time back. Listen, that's not what the Lord wants you to think about. His call upon your life has never changed. It is irrevocable, my friend. That means that here and now and today, you can come back to that just redemptive embrace of the father, just like the prodigal son did. The Bible says that when he was far off in the distance, that his father saw him. And his father began to run to him. And he took that robe and he took that ring and he placed it on his finger and he just crowned him again and he embraced his son once again and he just held him and he embraced him because guess what? The son had come home. And I believe tonight there's a daughter or there's a son in the house of God that needs to come back home because the Lord is desiring to use you in a very, very powerful way. Listen to me clearly. The Lord is wanting to use you in a powerful way. And listen, I need us to understand something. Those thoughts of condemnation, those thoughts of, of shame, those, those thoughts of, of all that stuff, that is from the enemy. That is nothing but lies of the enemy. Amen? And we need to tear down those lies off of our hearts and off of our minds and off of our life tonight. Because guess what? We are not who the enemy says we are. We are who Jesus says we are. Amen. And if he says that you are a chosen people, if he says that you are a royal priesthood, if he says that you are a holy nation, then that is who you are, church. Amen. You are a child of the living God. You are a, a son and you are a daughter of God. And that's what needs to be resonating in our heart and in our life tonight. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.